Uh oh. Oh man, oh man, are we back in the building? Back in the building for another one. For another in the building for another one what's going on everybody and welcome 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 back to another edition another installment a new episode a new interview for the black men win podcast i am your wonderful host Tyler pie guy and welcome to another edition you know what i'm saying first of all clap it up for yourselves for coming in one more time give myself give my hand clap of praise hey come on y'all back here another another week you feel me? I ain't seen y'all in like two weeks. You feel what I'm saying? So I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, before we get into our interview, be sure to um, like, comment, subscribe, wherever you listen, watch this podcast. That may be YouTube, of course. That's where we always are. <laughs> but if you listen to us, uh, you can check us out on any platform that you listen to podcasts. And you can check us out on our website at epicechopro.com. That is epicechopro.com. Just hit that Black Men Win tab. And you can check out this episode and more and all of our other shows that are up on our network as well. All right, listen, I'm excited for this interview um, because this is a this is a person that I call friend, brother, mentor. Um, and the funny thing is, and I'm going to get into it later, I, I, I really forgot how we met, but we've known each other for a long time. Um, he's He's been an advocate of me um, and my success Whew, for I can say since 2017 um, and it's been that long so I can say about what was that was about seven years um, again brother friend um, educator writer podcaster um, producer um, all around amazing mind ladies and gentlemen boys and girls aunties and uncles put your hands together for my brother my good friend, one of my great mentors, Mr. Marquise Taylor. Let's go. Yes, sir. Wow, that was a yes, intro. Wow. <laughs> yes, sir. I had to bring you in, bro. I had to bring you in. How are you, my guy? I'm I'm good, bro. And yourself? I'm good, my guy. I'm good. I'm so first of all. I wanna I wanna I wanna briefly say Marquise has definitely been on the pot. He's definitely been on Black Men Win. So if you've been a part of the Black Men Win journey, right? Black Men Win started roughly around 2018 when it was just um in kind of like a, a written format in which I would do and at that time I I did a, 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 a at least an interview maybe every week or every two weeks. Um and my guy, Mr. Taylor, was uh, one of the few, one, was one of the first people uh, that I hit up to um, to do that interview. And he, again, stepped up and, and showed up and showed out at um, just like he is right now. So, Marquise, I want to give you just a little bit of time to introduce yourself. Let the people at home know who you are and uh, where you from, my guy. Yeah, appreciate you, Ty. So Marquise Taylor, born and raised Detroit, Michigan, West Side to be exact. Um, currently doing some work over at Michigan State University, making sure that the next generation of students are supported and just doing a thing. Uh, Ty mentioned that I'm also a podcaster. Uh, I have not released an episode in about two years or so, but I do have about 85 in the bank. 
So if you want to look at that, Detroit Worldwide, available on all streaming platforms. Definitely have a, a good amount of content. Also a writer, um, written for a few publications, Rolling Out Magazine. This is R&B.com, Michigan Chronicle, uh, Minnesota Spokesman Recorder. I, a lot of years of experience writing. That's like really my first love because the podcasting um actually reintroduced me to writing so we can get into that a little bit but yeah just mm. a person that just loves uh supporting people uh love the city of detroit uh moved back to michigan after about a, a almost 10 year absence lived in the twin cities for a relatively about seven yeah. or eight years so this is my return back to michigan and decided to be here man i'm super proud of what you're doing because You've been consistent. A lot of my OGs that was podcasting that were friends, and we're still friends, but they actually kind of like me took a break, and you've been consistent. So I'm proud of what you've been doing because this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> you not lying. <laughs> I appreciate you, bro. Thank you so much. I I, I, I received that for real. Um, Keith, I want to get into a little bit, a, a, a little bit of everything. Um, as you talked about from Detroit, Michigan, three one three stand up in the building. You feel what I'm saying? It's Detroit love in the building. You feel what I'm saying? We both grew up in the city, so it's 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 love. You know what I'm saying? We both from the city, so it's love there um already. Um take me through a little bit of of of, of living in the Twin Cities. Um how was that uh, like? What what was that process of moving from Detroit? Um or maybe not even Detroit, but wherever you were to the Twin Cities. What was that transition like? And what was the reasoning? Man, that's a really good question, bro. And I appreciate you asking that. Um, so I was living in Ann Arbor at the time because mm -hmm. I just finished grad school at Eastern Michigan. So this is 2013. Mm -hmm. um, I was 29 years old. Wow, I can't believe that because I just wow. turned 40. He just turned 40, ladies week. and gentlemen. Happy birthday to my guy. Just had to get yeah, you got yours coming up too, my, my I know my thirty is thirty is so. on the way. Yeah. When we release this episode, yeah. the the next day is my birthday. I just want to let y'all know. That. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, crazy. man. So happy early birthday Thank to you. you we can talk more offline. Thank you. The, yeah, but um, yeah, moving out there looking for jobs and stuff, trying mm -hmm. to find different opportunities. I remember the job process, applying to different universities, different colleges. I uh, was looking in the state of Michigan just mm -hmm. because I wanted to stay here at the time, but then opportunity to present itself. So I had to like kind of cast a wider net and right. Minnesota just so happened to open up. And with me being such a huge Prince fan, I just had to be out there because I love Prince <laughs> so much. I uh, know Prince was uh, from Minnesota. Right. And that was cool for me to kind of do that uh, because right before I left, I was able to like interview Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Wow. Um, for the newspaper and just everybody that was kind of associated with that. So if you know who Prince is, that's kind of like a tier below because yeah. Prince obviously isn't around anymore, but like the interview Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and them producing like the Janet Jackson albums like Control and Rhythm Nation and new edition things. Like, I want, I'm sorry to cut you off. I want people to understand. Oh, go what ahead, bro. Said. <laughs> were you right? Were you at the Detroit Free Press? Were you at the Free Press? No, so this is no, this is at the Minnesota Spokesman Report. Oh, I was still in the Twin Cities. Okay, so you're in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah so I did this right before I left. Having an interview with Jimmy Jam and Terry, I want people to know that they are two of the 
most legendary is and I know that's not even a word, bro. <laughs> that's not even a word, bro. They are the two most legendary is producers of all times. And I and I when I and I mean to put the S on there too. Don't don't I'm I'm not being <laughs> grammatically incorrect for no reason. I'm I'm doing this for a reason. Times, bro. I I've grown I've grown up on them. Oh my God! Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Same. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a. I, no, I'm same, bro. A little bit. I'm sorry. I <laughs> mean, crazy. imagine how I feel like I'm interviewing them. This is a Zoom oh, interview, bro. mind you. I had to transcribe it into uh, an article, a written article. But the moment I always remember two things. First mm-hmm. and foremost, my wife took off uh, work um, to hear me like interview them. So she came home during her lunch break because this was like a big deal. And I think Terry had came yeah, on there first. He's like, "Hey, deal. how you doing, Marquise?" And I was like, dang, he even said my name right, too. And I was like, geek that he said that. And then the other cool thing, because I know, you know, about the history of them um, and knowing what they mean to Detroit mm-hmm. is they told me the moment they felt like stars. They're from Minneapolis, mind you, because, you know, Prince and the time and all them. They said the moment they felt like stars when they had a concert in Detroit in the 80s. I was like, wow. So a lot of their music predates me. Um Cause I'm, you know, born in '84, right? Um, and they came out the time I think it was '81. So their yeah. first concert in Detroit was like '81, '82. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And you know, I can, you know, talk about this with my mom and stuff. But it was just like amazing just to like talk to them and oh, again, like God. them saying that. And that was the closest I would have ever gotten to Prince to like talk to him because again, right. that's like his contemporary. So I was like, bro, I loved it. So to really, um, you know, wrap up the question, like, yeah, I had a job out there. I was working at the university of Minnesota for mm-hmm. a number of years, but like that really put the icing on the cake to meet them, to meet Morris day, Alexander, and everybody that was associated with that, that Minneapolis sound. Those are people I like grew up listening to I me. Mean, granted, you know, uh, this music was stuff that my parents listened to, but it kind of, uh, got right. me right exactly <laughs> so, yeah so what was okay so i would say to a degree you would say that you were or are a music enthusiast to to oh, a, yeah, to, yeah, a, to, yeah. a, to a to a less to a to a higher degree so you're interviewing all of these amazing producers artists of 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 of, of our ilk of, of that generation what was writing for you during that time what would the the and i don't mean just right but the process how what what was that creative process like for you because you're an amazing writer when you when you put a piece out i'm 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 reading you understand what i'm saying so what take me through a little bit of the process in you bringing how can I put it? Kind of bringing these stories to life through through written, what? Yeah, through written through a written form, still in such a podcasty, you know, audio space. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Because you still capture that, and there's a lot of platforms that do that. But I have to give you your flowers because when I read the things, I, I can feel that. I can I can feel I can still feel. You know the 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 enthusiasm, the excitement when 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 you you know when you're capturing those moments, especially when you're putting it into you know written form. So, kind of take me through a little bit of that process. 
Man, that's a really good question, bro. Um, I think the simplest way to describe it is like God is speaking through you. Mm -hmm. So I had the opportunity to interview one of my on my podcast, uh, one of my sheroes who were written for the Detroit News for a number of years. Her name was um, Makisha, Matt and Toby. And Mm -hmm. she had written like um, entertainment, um, like movies, things like that. So I was able to see her like as a teenager, like seeing her or young adult, I should say, seeing the work that she was doing. And I remember having that conversation with her. Um, about like the writing process and she said it like i'm kind of paraphrasing because this interview was like you know three or four years ago mm-hmm. but when you're writing it's kind of coming through god and actually podcasting reintroduced me to writing because and because i started my podcast in i think 2019 if i remember yep. correctly and i remember interviewing um phil lewis who writes for the huffington post yep Another person I admire. Love and Phil I just remember Lewis. hearing him talk about the writing press. Yeah, me too. Good guy. Love Real Phil good Lewis. guy. I remember I remember him talking about writing, but then it like really um um prompted so many like memories because before I interviewed him, I had written an article, I think in probably like ten years. Mm-hmm. And he was the person that actually inspired me to want to write again. And I remember just like after our conversation, like I gotta get back to writing because I had written all throughout high school. I written through college, undergrad, like I have like over a hundred articles or so published, whether it be online or like written pieces. Right. And him having a conversation with me and talking to my my Shiro and really it just kind of goes down to like God speaking through you because um to kind of wrap up here, when I'm transcribing the audio versions. I just use like the Jimmy Jim and Terry Lewis uh, interview as an example. There are right. some things that like I took out, but there was also things that I had to like emphasize. So right. it's really about like making sure that you are simplifying in a way that is accessible to your readers. Because I think a lot of times these, I don't want to say like new writers, it could be some old writers as well. Like they put it mm-hmm. in a language that is inaccessible to the reader. I want somebody who, um, can read it, whether you have advanced reading skills or whether you, um, right have below advanced or the minimum reading skills, you can pick it up and right. understand. And really I'm thinking back to the advice I got from Makisha or what she said when she's writing articles for the Detroit news is that people sometimes read on like a seventh grade reading level. So mm-hmm. she wanted to also make her writing accessible as well. So that's where I, I kind of get it from, man. Just making sure that it's accessible, making sure that people can understand it. So that way, if somebody is 13, uh, 38, 42 can just understand it. I like that. You talked about briefly, um, and you talked about it, I kind of, in the first hour, um, how podcasting kind of brought the creative nature of your writing back, right? You wanting to write again. Two-part question. One, did you figure out maybe in that, in that decade long period, what that writing block was. And then the second question is, was there a particular moment during the creation of your podcast during just the, you know, stretch, you know what I'm saying? During the beginning stretch of the podcast that said, okay, my, my, my creative writing abilities are, are, are coming back to me. I, I, I feel the power. 
I feel it coming. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like did uh, what at what moment maybe during that time was it was it was the power for the, for or was it was the creative ability coming back for you? No, that's that's a really good question. Let me just also commend you because people have done this to me. Like you ask really good questions. So thank you, thank you so much for those <laughs> questions. They giving me some some good thoughts. I figure I paid a compliment as others has paid it to me. Like you really good questions. You, man. Thank you, thank you. Um, but to you know um, address it more formally, I think for me and you probably know this as well mm-hmm. is when you're creating something, especially you know it being independently produced, like a lot of our uh, podcasts are, which is why I say it's super hard because you got to do a lot that goes into it producing, Man. yes, editing. I had somebody edit my podcast, but like the production part of it is it's a lot that yep. goes into it. Um, but I think. Just the creative process, um, conceptualizing something is mm-hmm. almost like a piece of clay. I know that sounds cliche, but you have like this raw piece of clay yep. and, and you gotta mold it's it. coming from, you got to mold it. Yeah. And it's coming from, you know, I'm a, a spiritual person. So a lot of these things are like coming from God in some ways. And you want to make sure that you are showcasing the people in the most positive light. So right. everybody that I've interviewed on my podcast, at least I like to think that I have. I've tried to make sure whether I agree with their viewpoints or their stories or not, I've always made sure I showed them in the most positive light. Right. Um, so that's something you have to like kind of remove yourself from, but just the idea of creativity is I really love the idea of like hearing somebody's story and upbringing. So like I use an example, I haven't interviewed this person, but I interviewed this person through proximity of a story that was told. Mm-hmm. So a person that you had on one of your podcasts, uh, Beth, a singer out of Detroit. Oh, um, snap. Shout out to yeah, Beth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, shout out to Beth. So, <laughs> so it was interesting. And we haven't had a formal conversation yet, but I interviewed right. um, this guy out of, uh, he's born in Lansing, but he lives in Minnesota. This guy named uh, Chad Nas Phillips, uh, artist out of um Twin Cities, and Mm -hmm. he had a song with Beth, and I can't think of the other person's name. It was about tribute to Chadwick Boseman, and as he was telling the story, I was like, "Dang, like I really want to like get to know who she is." But him telling the story about her, it prompted me to do research about who she was and her music. And I think we had this article out like 2021. I've been following her ever since, like learning about her. So I was super happy that you interviewed her. Yeah. And I did look at the interview, like, yeah, that's dope. Like you did your thing with Thank that. You, bro. So, Thank you. Um she's dope. But I really just and yeah, she is super dope. dope. I just really enjoy the super process dope. of like getting to know people, um, especially independent artists, because I feel like mm-hmm. going on their journey and stuff. You have the opportunity to kind of see them before they blow up. Like I did that interview before they did X, Y, and Z. So the fact that you interviewed Beth, like to me, that's a part of history, to be completely honest, bro. Cause I appreciate that. she's well on her way, whether or she not is. she she knows this or not, I'm pretty sure she does, but she's well on her way. She might be like a household name. So with you, you know, having done that interview, that's a part of history. So I guess to kind of wrap up there, the creative process to me is also history, because I just think about the 80 or so people that I've interviewed on the podcast, like wow. some people who um, didn't have their PhDs before. Now they, I think I have one, two, three, four people who now have like their doctoral degrees wow. before they got on the podcast. They didn't. Now they're a doctor, such and such um, people who've released albums, people who have come out with books. So, it's really a part of like history, but also like showcasing those stories. I already love, I love black people. 
<laughs> that's Thanks, that's what I'm all bro, about. Yeah. Bro, if I can't agree with you a thousand percent, that like that is facts. When I interview her, um, again, Detroit love. You know, she she's from the city, so it's like, of course, I'm. Of, here's the thing: I'm I'm always gonna show my city love first. That's just, that's just what that is, right? And she was just dope to talk with beforehand. Shout out to her manager Ron. Like they were they were just amazing to communicate and do business with, right? And and I think that has always been one of my my key things. Communication can be. For me, it could be so fickle, but it's so simple. Just tell me you want or, or just let me know that you like the platform and that you want to be on the platform. I'm not the breakfast club. <laughs> you know, I'm not a big name station out here. You know what I'm saying? I understand what my platforms do, how big they are in, in the areas that they are. I understand that part, but I don't want, I never, to your point, want artists or guests or people who are coming on for interviews feel as though they cannot come on, um, you know, because, you know, this, this may be a bigger show. No, I've, listen, I've had a lot of emails come through, um, and a lot of DMs come my way, right? And... I'm like, okay, let's go on the show. And I think people get shocked by that. Right? He's I like I think people really get shocked by the fact like, yo, you want you want me on your show? You 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 want me on your show? Well, you email me. Come on the show. <laughs> I'm I, and, and, <laughs> I'm sorry. And and maybe and maybe sometimes I don't think I'm that big in a sense. Like I I don't. I don't. I really don't. So I think people think I'm I'm I may be I'm I'm big in this realm, which I am, I'm not gonna lie, but I don't have that big head. Like I'm like, yo, come on the show. I've showcased I can say about hundreds of interviews at this point, thank God. Mm-hmm. And as you yes, said, sir. um and and to your point, I didn't even look at it like this until you said it. The history part of it all. Like capturing these moments, this interview, Bev's interview, like it's it's that that really made me think about it. Like, yo, these are moments that I can look back and say, oh, when she started to pop or when he started to pop or when he owned or when she owned. Oh, I had these interviews already. Y'all late. I'm cool with them already. Y'all late. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so I I I never really thought about it in that way. So I thank you for that cuz now I'm I think about it now in a whole new perspective. Like for real. Yeah, you have to, bro. Like just thinking about Beth and you know, me learning about her story indirectly back in 2021, 22, whatever it mm-hmm. was, but it prompted me to then follow her career and see what she's doing. And I was super fortunate. And I didn't get a chance to like um, reach out to her because it was a busy day that day. But I did see her perform. I think it was last summer. She opened up for Kim. I want to say Keith. It wasn't Kim. It was like Keith Washington or something. It Keith was like Washington, a random, okay. random uh, concert in the city. Um, nice. 
it might have been it might have been two years ago. I don't remember. But the point is, like, I actually saw her perform, so it was like kind of cool to see her in that setting, having spoken to one of her collaborators. So I'm super excited that you had a opportunity to interview her because again, like, she's well on her way. She, she might. Is. Have a Grammy one day. You can say, like, I interviewed a Grammy award-winning artist on my podcast. Facts. Like, that's that's dope. Facts, bro. <laughs> and, I, and, and I'm excited to see where, like you said, a lot of these interviews go. Um, because a lot of the people that I've interviewed continue to do great things. Like, they, they greatness don't stop. And that's the one thing I want people to understand, too. Like, the, the people that, I, that we have on our shows, the greatness don't stop. The hustle don't quit. They still going. They they still going. A um, couple more questions for you, Keith. When when was the moment that you said, "All right, I love you, Twin Cities," but it's time. <laughs> um, couple of reasons, bro. I mean, one, I think just the whole George Floyd thing that popped off down there because I was mm-hmm. right in the center of it. In you the were? sense of, yeah, bro. This is Definitely. like. 20 minutes 15 or 20 minutes from where i stayed at wow probably like not too far from my house i'm not excuse me my church where i was going at the time so oh my god we actually saw people i know lived in um the outskirts like south minneapolis a, a, a place called bloomington but where george floyd was killed was in uh, south minneapolis which is i was liking it to um Detroit and Southfield or Detroit like Warren or something like that. I'm just gotcha. trying to think like a gotcha. city that's nearby. I got you, um, so in my city where I lived, I actually saw people like I can look out my window. I saw people protesting, which for good reason they needed to protest. Right. But it was just time, bro. Like um, being away from family, I had been out there for almost 10 years. I set out to accomplish what I wanted to do like outside of my career like i can't get over the fact that i interviewed jimmy jam and terry lewis and mm-hmm. met more as they alexander o'neill like i don't think i could have topped that because again i never had an opportunity to to connect with prince um so and it was it was kind of sad too in a way because what prince passed in 2016 and that was yeah. that's that's my all-time favorite artist like he is that the pinnacle. Right. Prince, I'm a Prince person. So when he passed away, it was just kind of sad. It was just like a gray cloud over the city and the state. And it just didn't feel the same anymore. So luckily I was able to, you know, write for the paper and, you know, participate in those opportunities. But like just what happened in 2020, I was like, I had to go and I just needed to be closer to home. And then also the pandemic as well. Like it was just, Absolutely. it was time, bro. Right. I feel that. I I understand that. Um, when or not even when, and I want to ask this question in the best way: How has education, being an educator, shaped you as a black man? And I'm and I'm and I'm asking this because you've been in education for a while. Um. What does that mean to you as a black man continuing to educate the next generation? Because that's essentially what you're doing. Um, Like you said in your intro, that that is that is what you do. How important is that to you? I better be completely honest with you, bro. I think moving back to Michigan being in Michigan State and seeing myself reflecting in the students actually rekindled 
my desire to want to educate. And I'll give like a quick real life example. Mm-hmm. Prior to me coming up here and doing this interview, ran into one of my students from the D um, 21 years, my junior, mm-hmm. just, we just chopped it up, bro. It's just like, what up, bro? You know, we just kicking it or whatever. And I just saw myself through that person. Mm-hmm. We don't may not have the same story. We might not even have the same background, but the commonality we had, we both black dudes from the D he trying to make it. This is his first year. And then me as a professional. So I would say being here and seeing students from Detroit, Grand Rapids, Flint, Saginaw, um, all of the amazing cities in Michigan. I see myself through them that I, I saw it in the twin cities more so, but not as much because these students were like from Iowa, Wisconsin, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nothing against those places, but it is not like, and right. I have some it ain't, it from, ain't like it's from home, home for real, the soil. Yeah. It's yeah. not like it's from home. Yeah. 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 The soil. So I just see myself in them and I, I try my best to, um, create experiences for them or present them with experiences that are bigger than what they can imagine. Because I know what it means to go to a place more so as a professional when I got my job and uh, moved to Minnesota Mm -hmm. is doing something bigger than yourself and trying to be in a place that can help to shape you. Because I know me being in college, I was at Wayne State. I was still in a D, but it was still like a remarkable time for me. So I understand the importance of that and making sure that we're creating experiences for them. So that way, when they do get to be my age or your age or even like you know three years from now when they graduate that they have the confidence to like do some dope stuff so that's my whole thing bro amen to that bro (laughs) i I love that um i got one more serious question but before i I, man how how sick are you about our lions losing (laughs) because i'm 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 hurt (laughs) i'm not gonna lie to you I was hurt, bro. My girl sat here and looked me looked looked in my face and saw hurt, a broken-hearted man. Huh? She looked me dead in my <laughs> face and said, "I'm so sorry, babe." She said it yesterday too. Cuz I'm I'm still I'm like, you know, the the pieces are, you know. It's 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 it the the wound is healing slowly. But it, it's yeah. still there. How how are you feeling right now after our loss? But fantastic season nonetheless. I look at it like this, bro. Like, I like the Lions, and, I, you know, full disclosure, like, I'm a Steelers fan. That's what I – when I first got into football, it was Jerome Bettis, Plexico, Burris, Cordell. So that's the team I was following. A lot of people were but like I still follow the Lions. Fan, yep. <laughs> I have always followed the Lions, and I do consider myself a fan. But I look at it, like, one or two ways. First and foremost, like, they hadn't won a playoff game since I was, like, seven years old. Wow. Think about so that, y'all. the fact – Think about that. I won't no, hold on. Yeah. I want people to understand that. Okay? My 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 bro just tur- he hit the four zero. Thank God. Okay? Yeah. Seven years old, bro. Seven years old. Ninety one, oh January ninety one before just- my birthday. <laughs> oh I know, right? <sighs> so it took me like five minutes to really get over it because uh. So often as Lions fans, and I was just actually listening to sports radio before I came over here, we're so used to, like, at this point, what's our mock draft look like? Who are we getting? And we hadn't even been thinking about that because we're not used to these deep playoff runs. So we I wasn't. was liking it to we wasn't. <laughs> 
And I know this happened like when I was like four or five years old, but like mm-hmm. or three for that matter. Um, when the Pistons were trying to win, like I think about the game where Larry Bird stole the inbound pass from Isaiah Thomas. Yep. That was super heartbreaking. I was talking to some of the OGs. They was like, man, that was heartbreaking. But then a year after, they ended up beating the Celtics and reaching the finals. Granted, they didn't win that year because of the whole, uh, you know, phantom foul Kareem and Bill Lambeer, but it set them up for success. And I feel the same way about this Lions team and even like the 04 Pistons because the 04 Pistons, they lost, uh, I think, like to New Jersey. They got swept, I think, in like 03. And then the following year, they ended up beating New Jersey and ended up winning the championship. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, so I say all this to say, like, the way that this team's makeup is, like, you got Amon Ra, you got Hutch, you got um, Brian Branch, you got Jared Goff. Like, all these are, like, young players. It's not like Stafford when or Calvin Johnson where people's bodies are breaking down. Like, they have good young players you can, like, build a foundation on. And the front office seems very competent. Brad Holmes. Um, Dan Campbell, of course, that's the best coach that <laughs> I've seen in my lifetime. I know I wasn't like, you Do know, not Wayne fire Fox MCDC, like <laughs> period. I don't want to hear don't it. Don't fire him. That's the best coach. I don't want to hear it, <laughs> period. But yeah, I'm, I'm not that sick about it, bro, to be honest. I will say this, bro. I was hurt. I was sick because I said on my sports shows, um, on my previous sports show, when they went nine and eight. I said, the Lions can get to the Super Bowl next year. Now, when I said it, that was, of course, far-fetched as fuck, right? That was far-fetched. Like, who's thinking the Lions can get to the Super Bowl until they had a chance to get to the Super Bowl? (laughs) And we're like, oh, snap, we're here. Oh, oh, we're like one game away. Wait, wait, oh, snap. Okay, 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 okay. And... I've, I've I've spent many of years at my Thanksgiving, you know, table or on my on my floor watching the Lions lose mm-hmm. consistently, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean consistently, you know, and it's sickening. And I and I felt like this Dan Campbell led team was a little bit different, and I and I said that after the nine and eight season last season. Um, I'm going to keep with that even after this season to go to the NFC Championship to win, you know, our first playoff game to get our, you know, the, the even the divisional title. You understand what I'm saying? Um, did we make some mistakes? Yeah, was it were they careless mistakes? Absolutely. Um, I wish my boy would have just went for one of the field goals for one of them, <laughs> just one. You know, but that's just yeah, me. Yeah. That's just me. I. Listen, I get it. Dan Campbell going to listen. Dan Campbell got cojones and he going to stand 10 toes in it. I ain't mad at that. That is not what I'm mad at. I'm just I'm just hurt. I'm just a hurt fan. I'll get over it. Like you said, we as Detroit fans know how to take a take a L on the chin and get over it. A lot of fans don't know how to do that. <clears throat> Dallas. But <laughs> yeah. You know, we know how to take it on the chin because we we've 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 lost. We know what that looks like. So we're in a culture now where I don't want to say winning is the standard, but just going out there and playing the best game, like and having grit. Like when we say all grit, I mean all grit from the the first quarter to the fourth quarter. And I always feel like, and I'm going to say it still this season, when we get in that second half, I get scared. We can be up. (laughs) 
any time in the first half. And everybody can sit here and scream and yell and, oh, my God. But it's always the second half of the Lions that get me scared. Why? Because I feel like our moxie gets lost. I feel like the presence that we have as Lions just get lost. Whether that's home or away, I've seen it in both. I've seen it in both situations this season. And it's like we have to still stay composed, poised, and ready to attack at any moment. At any moment. So I just I, I agree with you. And I said this on my last on my um, on the podcast we dropped this week. I hope they use this as a chip. You know, because they was right there. Three points. Three po- honestly, 17. Okay. 17. You were there. Ben Johnson's coming back as the OC. Yep, yep, yep. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. let's get it done, goddamn. <laughs> like, before <laughs> Ben Johnson get his head coaching job, let's get it done, bro. Um, before I get you out of here, uh, Keith, uh, what does black men win, uh, black men win mean to you? When you hear the phrase off the top of the dome, what did that, uh, what does that phrase mean to you? You know, to be honest with you, bro, I think black men win is more of a collectivism thing than a singular individualistic thing. Because I think, and I've kind of gotten this way as I've gotten older. Mm Mm-hmm air quotes there is less <laughs> life to me is more about what you can do for yourself, but more what you can do for other people. So Absolutely. I get great joy in helping other people. Not to say that I don't help myself. Like I still think about myself as you should, you should be your own advocate, but um, helping other people succeed. Yes. And to me, just thinking back to the real life conversation that I had with one of the students before I began this interview, um, we're two black men, you know, he's just starting his journey, um, here on campus and then me working as a professional, what can I do to put that person in the best possible position to be successful? Um, same with all of our other students, but like, those are the things that I like, kind of keep me up at night. Like, how can we create experiences for them? Um, especially my black students in particular are black men Absolutely. to make sure they're being put in the best position successful. So I think I am where God wants me to be right now. Um, even, you know, having this conversation with you and I know you about to hit the 30, man. I remember turning 30, oh like, God. oh, yes, it's like it's yesterday. <laughs> so, you know, just keep, keep doing your thing, bro. Oh, so to, to me, that's what black man win means is thinking less about yourself, but thinking more about the collective. Um, portion of it. I, so that's what it means to me, bro. I, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, Keith, I don't know if you want people to, to know where they can follow you on social media. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you want that. But uh, oh yeah, yeah. If, if you I, want I people to let, do, if you want to let the people know where you, you know, where you follow them on, because because you know you don't want your your students to be, you know, what I'm saying hitting the. Fu- don't follow oh, me. Man. You know what I'm saying? Don't follow <laughs> me. You we 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 cool, but we ain't cool. You know, no, I, actually, I love you, but I don't love you like that. Like <laughs> it's privacy. No, I'm just playing. But uh, let the people know uh, where they can follow you and where they can uh, get in touch with you if they want to. You know, maybe have you get an interview in or something like that. Get your get the get the pen going or whatever like that. Oh yeah, I appreciate that, bro. Um, you can follow me Instagram or Twitter at mtaylor three one three. 
you want to follow the podcast, I think on Instagram is at Detroit Worldwide Podcast. I think that's the name of it. I don't know. Um, but either way you go at mtaylor313, um, Instagram and Twitter is how you can find me. Uh, please, please, please. I know I haven't listened, had a podcast episode up in two years and have not recorded, but that's neither here nor there, but it's still available on all streaming platforms, Detroit Worldwide. That's also the official name of the website. 80 something interviews. If anything, support the people that are on there. We have had entrepreneurs. We've had, um, doctors just listen to their stories and you can understand the beauty of Detroit and what it means. And I love the question, uh, what does black man mean to me? Because I always ask my listeners or guests at the end, uh, what does Detroit mean to them? So I appreciate that question and appreciate everybody for listening. Thank you all so much. Hey man, thank you for coming on the show. Keith, we appreciate you, my guy. Thank you again for coming on, giving us your words of wisdom, breaking it down and uh, we love you, brother. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Likewise, bro. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. it. No problem. And to everybody else, we thank y'all for watching, tuning in, listening, wherever you listening from. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you at. We appreciate you. We love you. We thank you. Be sure again to tap into the podcast wherever you listen. You feel what I'm saying? You can watch us here on YouTube at Epic Echo Productions. Uh, follow us on all platforms, social media, Epic Echo, Epic Echo Pro. We're on all social media platforms, probably except for Snapchat. So uh, you can follow us there and you can listen to this episode again at our website at epicechopro.com. That is epicechopro.com. Just hit the Black Men Win tab and you can listen to this episode right there. All right. I love y'all. Y'all be easy. Stay breezy. Listen, I'm excited. Black History Month is coming up now. Right. And I'm excited because I got, I got some interviews lined up. You feel what I'm saying? So y'all get ready. Um, I'm excited for next year, uh, next year, next month. And um, y'all be re- uh, y'all be easy, stay breezy, and uh, we'll be back for another one. Peace.